reading this morning from Paul's letter to Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our gracious God, the time has come. Come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher, come and reveal the truth of your word to us and help us to be the doers of your word and not only the hearers. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have titled today's message, Why Jesus? As Christians, why do we insist on a personal relationship with Jesus? Why does the Bible insist that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Why is his name so special? Why, why, why? Today, our Bible reading in Colossia will help us understand why. First, I would like you to think of your name. What does your name mean to others? My name is Dozi. The full name is Chuku Dozi, which means God arranges. And where I come from, names are really important. In my country, we have three major ethnic groups, Igbo, Hausa, and Yoruba. I'm from the Igbo tribe. Within the Igbo tribes, names are so significant that once I mention my name, people will easily trace my identity to my tribe because of my name. More importantly, how people call my name can be linked to how much they know me. The way people from my family call my name is so deeply Connected that once I hear them say, Chido, I know they really know me well and are members of my family. 
In the Bible, the name Jesus is highly esteemed. He is called Son of God, the living water, the I am that I am, the Amen, the bread of life. The Alpha and Omega, the Good Shepherd, the King of Kings, and so on. Even though the name Jesus is rich in the Bible, yet today, several people who call his name does not know him or his identity. The evidence of this is in how they use the name Jesus in vain. Today, people make jest of that name. They crack jokes with the name of Jesus. Slang words like, oh my gosh, are commonly used to refer to God or his son, even among some Christians. The question I have this morning is, what is oh my gosh? Because I cannot understand. What does Jesus' name mean to you? Is there a name you can use anyhow? Or do we have respect to God and his name? A false teaching concerning Christ's identity broke out in the Colossian church. They argued that Christ Jesus was not the only means of salvation. Paul's response to this problem helped us understand who Jesus is, why his name is so special, and why it is held in high esteem. And I want to encourage you, if you're with your Bible, let's go uh, to verse 15. And it says, he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn and supreme over all creation. An image is like a picture. When you see an image, it forms a description in your mind, isn't it? We have no physical description of Jesus in the scripture, but Christ character, his teachings, his healings, and many other miracles shows us who he is. We know who God is by viewing Christ. Jesus and the Father are one, as Christ said. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When people see you, what do they see? Is there something Christ-like in your character? Can they confidently say, you are a child of God? You behave like Christ. The first teachers told the Colossians they needed something more than their relationship with Jesus to bring them into the presence of God. To them, Christ was not sufficient for one's salvation. To counter their argument, Paul stated that Christ is sufficient for one's salvation and gives access to a holy God because, number one, 
Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. Number two, he is the firstborn and supreme over all creation. Then number three, he is the head of the church. Then number four, he is our redeemer. Here in verse 15, Paul begins to clarify Christ's identity by saying that the Son is the image of the invisible God, of which God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him in verse 19. In other words, he is 100% man and 100% God. Why Adam in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 27 was created according to the image of God. Paul states that Christ is the image or the full representation of God in character. The purpose of Paul's statement was to convince the Colossians if they wanted to know God, then Christ must be preeminent in their thoughts, not created beings on earth or in heaven. Then in verse 16, the Bible says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Christ is the creator of all things. You might ask, who made you? The answer is God. Then what else did God make? The answer is everything. You might ask again, why everything? The answer is for his own glory. Hallelujah. Everything Christ made was and is for his own glory. We must always remember the great truth that Christ made all things and be encouraged that you are his image according to Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 27. Then in verse 17 it says, He is before all things and by him all things hold together. Jesus is the sustainer of all life in the universe. In all things, Jesus is holding everything together. This includes the air we breathe, the circumstances we encounter, and the problems we are enduring, including pandemic. We are not alone. He holds everything together, even when we cannot say it. Then in verse 18, he says, He's also the head of the body, the church, the church, God's people, are the bride seeking to make themselves ready in their actions and obedience for the glorious day that the groom, Jesus, returns for his bride. It is Christ alone that has authority to govern the church. No one else. He deserves our praise and the highest 
position. He is the good shepherd. We should take seriously our obedience to Christ and make preparation to meet our groom, Jesus Christ, one day. He is coming. The book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give each every one of you according to what you have done. Jesus is coming very soon. Then finally in verse 20 shows us that he will make all things right and will reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. John chapter 3 verse 16 reminded us that God's love motivated him to send Jesus to save us. This passage also tells us that Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus did two powerful things on the cross. Number one, Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. He does not deserve it. He was sinless, but he paid the price for me and you. Then number two, all sin was laid upon Christ. In other words, Jesus took it upon himself. God unleashed his full anger upon sin in the person of Jesus. That is why Jesus cries out in Matthew chapter 27 verse 46, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus paid a price for me and you. And I want to challenge you this morning, my brothers and sisters. If you don't know Jesus, as your Lord and personal Savior, now is the time to remember what Jesus did for you over 2,000 years ago. He paid the price. He died. Jesus loved us so much that he would go to the cross and die for us. This is why we focus everything on Jesus. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to open your heart for him. Allow Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Tomorrow might be too late. Now is the time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I call upon your name again. My brothers and sisters, especially those who don't know you, but they are willing this morning to 
give their life to you. Lord, touch them. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know you and know the power of your resurrection. Lord, I pray for your hunger upon those people who are willing to give their life to you this morning. Touch them, Lord. And give them the grace to come to your throne. You are the image, the invisible God. You are the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscience. You are the I am that I am. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch them. And for those who are still in faith, Lord, give us that grace to continue to run this race until we see you face to face, Lord. We know that you are coming. He says, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give each every one of you according to what you have done. Jesus is coming. May we all be ready for your second coming, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be ready. For that day that we always see you face to face. It's going to be a glorious day for all of us. Lord, give us the grace to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.